This Sunday's scripture reading comes from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. See, I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive aliens of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Let's pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father. For it is you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So, who's, whose favorite book is Malachi in the Bible? <laughs> Nobody, nobody's favorite book is Malachi? Probably haven't spent a lot of time studying Malachi. You guys are more familiar with Genesis and Exodus and all that, or New Testament books, right? But Malachi is not, not super familiar. Uh, but most of the book is a, a dialogue between the priests of Israel and God himself. It's, that's how the, how the book is framed, is that God is speaking to the priests of Israel, and they are speaking back, trying to hammer some things out. They're trying to figure things out. I don't know if you know, but sometimes priests and preachers argue with the Lord a little bit. And that's what's going on in this book. It's what's been going on for a few chapters as you come into chapter 5, or chapter 3. And this, this book is set in a very different time than Jeremiah, who we read last week. Last week, we talked about Jeremiah, the, the prophet that was, that was proclaiming the word of God to the people of Israel as everything was crumbling, as they were tearing down their houses to fortify the city, to try to keep the Babylonians from capturing them. Jeremiah himself was in jail, and he's telling them that at some point everything's going to be all right. He's promising them that God will indeed send a Savior, but it's not going to be in the short term. There's going to be waiting. We talked about how we need a Savior as a people. We need God to come and to save us. Malachi, the, the prophet Malachi, is after the exile. So it's been a couple hundred years. The people of Israel have been able to come back to Jerusalem, but it's just not the same. The temple's not there. 
Nothing works quite as it should. Everything is just a little bit off. And the priests and God are talking to each other about this. And so last week, we, we recognized that we need a Savior. And this week, Malachi asks us, are we actually ready for one? Are we prepared for the justice and the righteousness of God to appear in our midst. Just before the, the text that Scott read for us, there's a little interchange between the priest and God. And God says, I'm out of patience with y'all. I am so tired of you. And they say, what did, what did we do to make you tired? And they said, well, first of all, you're looking at evil people and you're saying that they're good, that they're fine, that the Lord delights in them. You're okay with people doing evil things. And then you look at me and you say, God, you're just. Why is the world so messed up? Do y'all do that? Make excuses for your own behavior and then ask God why the world is messed up? I think that's a pretty common human problem. And so this is God's response to their question about why he's weary and what he's going to do. He's weary because we make excuses for ourselves and then we say, where's, where's God in all of this? He says, but I'm going to send one to prepare the way for the day of the Lord. I'm going I'm to send one to prepare you. And we know that this is John the Baptist or that's how Christians have historically read this. But they're in this space of, of making excuses for themselves and the people that they like and judging really harshly the Lord and the bad things that happen to them, they blame on the Lord. So, what we're doing is okay, but where is the God of justice? And this basic idea, we, we know culturally, we call it the, the pot calling the kettle black, right? But in Jesus' language, we have the image of the challenge to get the roof beam, the giant log out of your eye before you pay attention to the speck in someone else's eyes. But the priests are doing that even with God, God says. We know that we need a Savior, but we're not necessarily aware of what a Savior might cost us. Because our standards of justice and righteousness, when we define them on our own terms, are all out of whack and favor our own behaviors. Our bad behaviors aren't that bad, and other people's are terrible. So these people who are totally okay with accepting the evil things that their friends and families do look around at God and say, where is your justice? But they're not actually concerned about justice or righteousness in the people around them. So God says that the day of the Lord is coming. You can be sure of it. A Savior is coming, and even before the Savior, someone is coming to prepare the way so that you know what to do. But then he challenges them directly. He says, when, when he appears, who of you is going to be able to stand up? Who of you is going to be able to endure the presence of a righteous and just God when maybe you aren't? Are you ready for the Lord to arrive and set everything right? Because it's not just going to be the external things. It's going to be your life too. And he gives these two images about what God 
is going to do to prepare the people for the arrival of the Lord. He talks about a refiner's fire, and he talks about a, a launderer or a fuller's soap. And a refiner's fire, different metals melt at different temperatures. So if you want pure silver or if you want pure gold, you get it to a certain temperature where you can burn off all of the dross and you can just have the pure stuff. And a, a fuller, someone who makes wool, y'all know where wool comes from, right? Sheep. And sheep are perfectly clean, good-smelling animals, right? No. So once you shear the sheep, you've got dirty wool. And you've got to do something to get that dirty wool clean and white and ready to be used to make clothing, to make garments or whatever other fabric you need to make. And so you take pretty aggressive soap and you scrub it and sometimes you stomp it and sometimes you push it through a wringer. You do all kinds of things with Fuller's soap to try to get the wool ready so that you can pull it into yarn and then make things out of it. This is not like gentle imagery, right? This is what preparation looks like. Fire burning off the dross, stomping and stamping and pressing and rubbing to clean it all up. And both of these things are preparatory. They're not the final step. Some people might just want like a, a, an ugly hump of a clunk of silver, right? Or, uh, or just a stack of wool, but those things are much more useful when you make them into pretty jewelry or you make them into beautiful clothing. This is just one preparatory step to be ready for what it can be in all of its fullness. So what does it look like to be prepared for the arrival of a Savior? A Savior that last week we acknowledged that we know we need that the world is in desperate need of hope, of transformation, of the life-giving power of God that comes in. But if we considered our own lives and what can remain if a Lord of righteousness and justice shows up? Because it's not enough just to acknowledge that the rest of the world needs a Savior. We've got to recognize that we need a Savior in our own lives too. Sure, we need to be saved from falsehood and fake news, from violence and from wars, from sickness and from famines and disease, from gossip and drama, from polarizations and disputations and arguments, from climate change or socialism or Democrats or Republicans or whatever's on your list when you sit with your friends and gripe about what's wrong with the world. Our world desperately needs a Savior. But so do we, so do I, so do you, because we don't always act in justice. We don't always act in righteousness. We don't always act in holiness. We want a Savior, but are we ready for one? Are we really ready for one? There's a story about G.K. Chesterton that may be entirely untrue or may, may, may be uh, uh, a semblance of the truth, but it goes like this. 
that someone in the London Times wrote an article asking what's wrong with the world early in the 20th century. And G.K. Chesterton, who is a, a theologian and uh, an author of all sorts, he wrote some beautiful uh, fiction as well, uh, answered the question simply, what's wrong with the world? Supposedly, he wrote a letter to the editor that said, Dear Sir, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. And another version of the story says that when he said that, he, he said a little bit more, not just that simply that he is what's wrong with the world, but that he said, until a man can give that answer, until each of us can recognize that what's wrong with the world is us, our idealism is just a hobby. We want to sit around and talk about everything else that's wrong with the world, but when it comes to the bitter truth of our own lives, of our own unrighteousness, of our own sinfulness, of our own injustice that we tolerate in others or that we actively carry out ourselves, we don't think much about that. So whenever we ask what's wrong with the world, maybe we should start there with ourselves. What is it that God needs to save us from. You know, I'm not sure what things that you have uh, that you hide away from everyone else or a few people that you are ashamed of. I'm not sure what sorts of things uh, you do when no one is looking or how you treat other people. I don't know about all of that, but I'm certain that the Lord does and that he cares, that he's, that he's mindful about it. And in this last book of the Old Testament, preparing for the New Testament, for the arrival of Jesus. God says he's concerned about those who, who do things, who pursue powers that are beyond themselves, sorcery, that he's against adultery, that he's against those who swear falsely, who bear false witness, that those who oppress hired workers in their wages will have to answer for their work. For those who are unkind to widows and orphans, who push aside aliens, those who do not fear God, they're going to have to answer. And that's just a, a short list. We know that the list is longer of the things that God cares about. And I wonder if you feel convicted. I wonder if there are things in your life that you know if Jesus showed up today, it'd be hard for you to stand up. That you'd be concerned about what would be left after you went through the refiner's fire. Or how much you'd have to be rubbed and stamped to be cleaned. And God is capable of that. That's God's work, not ours. You know, mankind for a long time sought uh, to do alchemy, to turn metals into other things. Well, we, we never managed to do it. We never managed to take basic lead and turn it into gold or something like that. But that's what God's grace does in us, is that it actually purifies us and makes us more and more like him, more and more like the kind of creature that can endure a Lord who is an all-consuming fire. Are you ready? Are you really ready for the arrival of the Savior? Do you know that we need one for other folks? Do you know that we need one for ourselves? Are you ready to start there as you prepare for the arrival 
of Jesus. Let's pray. Oh Lord, the whole world needs a Savior. And so do we. So do I and each person here. You know our shortcomings. You know our sin. You know the ways that we treat our neighbors. You know the ways that we treat our enemies. You know the ways that we treat our families. You know the dishonest things that we have done. You know the ways that we have shortchanged others or treated them poorly. We pray, O Lord, that you would heal us. You would heal us of our pride, of our envy, of our wrath, of our of our lust, O Lord, of our gluttony, of all of the things that separate us from you, of our laziness to do good. We humbly ask, O Lord, that you would refine us, that you would do your work in us to prepare us for your arrival. We pray this in the name of your Son, who is the light of the world whose light shines in the darkness, and for whom darkness cannot overcome him. Amen.